FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Time right now, 8.20. You're tuned to WGNS on this Tuesday morning. Today is December the 7th. Today is a day that happened 80 years ago, Pearl Harbor, the attack on Pearl Harbor. Again, 80 years ago today. And our guests this morning include Phil Barnett, retired U.S. Navy. And uh, just to start off the show, Phil, you were once stationed there at Pearl Harbor. I did. I was stationed there for three years. I had command of uh, all the Navy medicine in uh, the Hawaiian Islands. Also with us this morning, Hillary Miller, the director of the MTSU Charlie and Hazel Daniels Center. Hillary, first off, what what is that center? Oh goodness, we serve about 1,200 military-connected students at MTSU each semester. Our services are open to the community as well, people, veterans, military families that need assistance and uh, students who are at other schools that just need assistance. And that Veterans Center is something very unique at MTSU. A lot of universities don't have anything anywhere remotely close to that. Absolutely. We try to make sure that we could assist with anything that would cause a student difficulty in their education, but we also want to assist with things beyond just their education. So employment, their family's employment, connectivity to the VA, Anything that that they need assistance with, we'll find the answer to. Phil, obviously you have been there at Pearl Harbor on December 7th before in years past, if you were, you know, there for three years. Mm -hmm. What is it like when you're there on December 7th? It's incredibly solemn. Mm -hmm. There's a ceremony. Unfortunately for me, uh, I got there the 51st year. And uh, the year before, uh, President Bush had been out there, uh, had been an enormous ceremony on the Arizona Memorial. And uh, for the three years I was there, there was an equally solemn, equally important ceremony where we went out to the Arizona Memorial and, and commemorated a tragedy. Have you met some of those who survived that attack and, you know, came back during one of those memorials? I mean, not only in the memorials, but we actually treated them in the clinics. And so, uh, yeah, a diminishing number. Um, Through the sheriff's program just two weeks ago, I actually met someone who lives here in Rutherford County, uh, an elderly gentleman whose young wife was only 93. He was 97. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they, you know, they're America's heroes. You don't have to go any further than the, uh, Tennessee State Veterans Home right here in town. And, uh, I can remember, uh, doing a, a chaperone event with, uh, with those folks once and ending it in Nashville at, at one of the, the brew pubs for lunch. And, uh, here I've got a, a DD-214 that says I retired. But uh, the two guys I'm sitting between, one had uh, three Purple Hearts and one had two. Wow. I had nothing to compare. What, what do they say when you talk to somebody who was there at Pearl Harbor during that attack? What, how do they describe that? 
surprise. I mean, nobody anticipated it. It was a Sunday morning. Uh, Sundays typically on a ship are scaled back. It's a little bit quiet. Um, people are on their way to church. People are uh, on their way to spend time with family if family is close. Um, it's, it's more of a leisure day unless you're actually underway. And so it was not, it, nobody was prepared for it. People were in bed. People were on their way to do other things. And, uh, and the good news was we're, we're a prepared military. Mm -hmm. But the bad news was we didn't anticipate it coming. And, and I'm sure that's one of the things that Japanese anticipated. They didn't anticipate America knowing that this attack was about to happen. And, and more so, it was on a Sunday. You know, that even more to be less expected, I guess. You know, the blessing was that the carriers were not in, in port, and because uh, and, that could have been a turning point in the whole war. Mm -hmm. So how long did the attack actually last? How quick did everything happen, or was it an ongoing attack that lasted for several hours? Well, it was, it, it was sudden, but it was not quick. And, uh, and, and so they had enough time if their ship wasn't sunk mm -hmm. or if there wasn't the ship wasn't incapacitated to the point that it could not respond that that there were some rounds that got off so the u.s was able to at least fire back a little for bit. a short time period a little bit what would happen in a situation like that if it occurred in today's times well i think there are lessons learned mm -hmm. i think in today's times um we're better prepared for a surprise you know and and we're pretty careful about where we disperse our fleet and uh and hopefully we would we would see them coming over the horizon much sooner 80 years ago there at pearl harbor in hawaii was there a military hospital located on the base or sure there was okay I, I can't imagine the chaos that was going on at that time as they were bringing people in. Well, I mean, and, and I, I don't know what their sophistication was in terms of triaging patients and, uh, and doing their level best to save as many as they could. But, but, I mean, it just, it was mass chaos. I mean, people, people didn't have the opportunity to be wounded and recover. They had the opportunity to either happen to be in a place where they were not hit or did not do well. I mean, one of the one of the absolute most touching things in the world, the Arizona is still there. It's sunk. And for safety reasons and other reasons, they've never been able to recover the people who perished on the Arizona. And when you peer over the side of the Arizona Memorial, which is directly over the top of the sunken ship, um, little little beads of oil still 80 years later still come up to the surface and and those are the the tears I mean you you can't help but be emotional when you you go on board the Arizona Memorial how many how many were on that on the Arizona uh, on I, ship? I don't know mm -hmm. yeah you know it, it's like a well, for anybody who's visited the 9-11 Museum and, and the uh, sculptures that are there in place of where 9-11 occurred in New York, it, it's a very quiet place, mm -hmm. even though you're, you're in this massive 
bustling city. And so I would imagine being there at Pearl Harbor, it's very quiet as well, just because people, first of all, don't know what to say when they arrive at something like that. Even though they anticipated, well, I'm coming to this memorial today, they still are speechless. It's part of the park service. And uh, and it opens up at 8 o'clock in the morning. And probably one of the, the, the neatest things that I've ever had the opportunity to participate in, it's a tremendous honor when someone in your organization asks you to perform a reenlistment service for one of the enlisted folks. And they can select any officer they want to, but when you're the commanding officer, you probably get a, a larger number of requests. And every day that the memorial, every weekday, uh, through the park services, three commands can, or one command with three reenlistments, but three reenlistments can take place between seven in the morning and then off of there by eight o'clock so that they can start their regular park visit day. So it's not uncommon on any given weekday morning for uh, an individual with their family, with their guests, with select members from the command, because there is a limited number you can take with you, and uh, and to go out there and actually do uh, a reenlistment of one of your fine sailors uh, on board the Arizona Memorial. And I guess today, because it was 80 years ago, the youngest someone would have been who survived that would be around 97, you know, making oh, yeah. them 17 when they were enlisted. One of the, I think one of the most interesting things about World War II is uh, we had the greatest generation of liars. Uh, it's <laughs> I was amazing. Just thinking, there's a lot of people who enlisted <laughs> that were younger yeah, than. Yeah. How, how old are you? Yeah. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm 97. Yep. <laughs> well, you look like you're 16. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yep. yeah, a lot of those folks today, the, the few that, that we still have, are in their 90s you know it's wild to imagine somebody going to a recruiter at age 15 or 16 saying i'll want to join especially during that era you know but there's no no oh, yeah. way to really background or, or proof check things i guess back then and here in the volunteer state i think we had plenty yeah that, that pretended to be that age I, I had heard mr daniels for whom our center is named speak often about this day and how it shaped his life and how his mother took him to church to pray that day specific for the attack. He, he spoke of it, it often and how it, how it influenced his life. I, I can't imagine. I, I mean, I, I remember, of course, 9-11, and that's the closest sure, thing I think sure. I have to compare it to on American soil. And I don't think, I mean, obviously there are not a lot of people alive today who would remember Pearl Harbor and that attack. When you say Pearl Harbor, people remember the Arizona and they remember going on board the memorial. If you went to Hawaii, you definitely made mm -hmm. a point to go to the memorial. And, and Hillary and I were talking about it briefly before. But the other thing that, that remains untouched is there are a number of places uh, that you can still see where the bullet holes are. I mean, not, not a through-and-through through hole, but uh, a granite face on a building that still has the marks. And I can remember one of the clinics that we had was located on Ford Island, and Ford Island mm -hmm. is where all the battleships and other ships were, were surrounding the island. That's where they were anchored. 
and uh, and the clinic is located there, and it's a, a big square clinic with a, a huge open atrium in the center. And I can remember the first time one of the folks took me there to show me the clinic. And as we're walking through this huge open atrium, there's there's a, a thing, just a, a little tiny, probably the size of a 25 cent piece thing stuck in the floor of this atrium. And he purposely stopped and he said, you know what that is, don't you? And I went, it looks like somebody dropped a quarter. I don't know what it is. It's where a bomb landed but did not go off. Wow. And and had it gone off, it probably would have at least damaged and killed a number of people mm -hmm. who were performing immediate medical care uh, or, you know, at least uh, done damage. So, I mean, there were all kinds of places that you could you could just imagine um, the chaos, the, the airfields. I mean, you'd appreciate this. We used a World War II airfield for uh, SCCA events. Um, it had been abandoned years before with a modern airfield, and, uh, and the, the, the surface was good enough to do uh, sports car club events on it. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that was where people took off. That's where airplanes were destroyed as they tried to take off, mm. where airplanes were destroyed before they could ever be manned up and take off. So multiple U.S. planes were, I guess, shot before they even had oh, a chance never got to off take the off. Ground. Yeah. You know, it, there's not really another base like that in the U.S. where there was so much damage and destruction, uh, at least not that I know of. No. I... I it would be hard, I guess, for the average person to even imagine what it's like to go there, to, to step foot there during a ceremony that is probably going to take place later today there in Hawaii. Um, I, I just... It's interesting. I listened to a ceremony last night, did not even know about it when I was there. But apparently for many years, the eve of the 7th, uh, there has been a commemorative ceremony for the USS Utah. And I think, if I remember what I was listening to, uh, 46 people perished on that particular ship. But last night, they were doing the, uh, the memorial service on board one of the ships for the uh, USS Utah. Again with us this morning, Phil Barnett and Hillary Miller. And we're talking about the attack on Pearl Harbor and looking back uh, just talking about some of the things that happened on that date, which would have been 80 years ago on December 7th. And uh, again, that was in Hawaii. And Hillary, when dates like this approach, uh, what, what is it like on the MTSU campus and specifically at the Veterans Center? Certainly. And um, we've experienced this twice this semester. Um, if you remember, 9-11 had its 20th anniversary just this this past fall and one of the things that we did for that was our cadets and some of our students that were interested myself we went out that morning I think about like 5:30, and we planted a flag for each of the folks that fell in service and the number is very similar to the number that fell at Pearl Harbor as well over 2,500 our cadets called the name of every uh, person that that died in 9-11 and they also ran the stairs for the um, firefighters, the, the first responders that, that passed at that time as well. So they're closer to that event. They can remember that they they might have been young when yeah. younger. Our, our student population, our veteran population is around 28 years old. So they were young when it happened. Um, 
this, they obviously don't have have that memory of it, um, but certainly this idea of service is something that is, like I shared with you, Mr. Daniels talking about how it shaped their lives. Military is a family business. Many of our students, uh, they're, they're from generations of uh, service mm -hmm. members. So I feel that their service was shaped by the fact that somebody in their family's service was shaped by Pearl, by Pearl Harbor. Time right now is 8.36. We're going to take a short break, and then when we come back, uh, I've got the speech that was given the day after the attack on Pearl Harbor, given by President Franklin Roosevelt, and, and we'll, we'll play that. Uh, I've got about nine and a half minutes of it. We'll air that in just a minute, so make sure you stay with us. Time right now, 8.36. You're tuned to WGNS. Today, Tuesday, December 7th. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City. If your fish tank is looking a little dated, now is the perfect time to freshen it up before hosting holiday events. Here at Animal City, brighten up your living space with an aquarium or new background for your reptiles. Animal City would love to help you with your pet needs. And for the pet lover on your list, an Animal City gift card makes the perfect gift. This is Amanda from Animal City. Come do business with Animal City at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Family Restaurants. In December, Demas's will be here for 32 years. My parents started this restaurant. They wanted a place that was affordable, that people can come and be able to celebrate their special occasions or be with their family. And we have strived to keep things the same as what they have created it. We encourage you to come and try Demas's Restaurant at 1115 Northwest Broad Street at Demas's Restaurants. For home restoration at a price you can afford, trust the professionals at Farrah Construction to get the job done on time and within your budget. Farrah Construction can remodel your home or can update your kitchen, bath, or other room. I'm Ron Hall. If you can dream it, Farrah Construction can turn it into reality. Call Farrah Construction at 615-893-6120. Shop local. Let our family business help you. Farrah Construction Company. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, Analexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Hi, this is Becky Bookner, and I'm just so proud to talk about the veterans in our community and what an incredible gift they've given all of us. And that's our freedom and the right to live in this country. And we're so grateful to them for the sacrifices they've made. This is Kim Dunaway from Sunshine Nutrition Center. You hear me on Monday mornings at 720 talking about how to lead a healthier lifestyle. We carry supplements, personal care, and grocery items at both our Murfreesboro and Smyrna locations, family owned and operated since 1989. We're talking with Glenn King, a World War II veteran. I dropped out of high school and joined the Marines. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. When I came back to the States, I was stationed in the Marine Barracks in Washington, D.C. We were assigned to the White House, and we did a lot of traveling with President Truman. Did you have interactions with President Truman back then? Yes. When President Roosevelt was president, he found out that there was a CCC camp 80 miles west of Washington. You said the CCC. What is that? Civilian Conservation Corps. And it was on top of a mountain in Thurmont, Maryland. He commandeered the CCC camp for his rest camp, and Roosevelt named it Shangri-La. 
President Truman. We had the presidential party up there. We all would eat our three meals a day in the CCC mess hall. In the mess hall down the middle was a great big curtain. President's party was on one side and the Marine detachment was on the other side. And every once in a while, President Truman would come and swing that curtain back, sit down and talk to us. And what he would say is, son, what state are you from? When they mentioned the state, oh, I know your senator real well, real well. When President Truman took the reins, he renamed what Roosevelt called Camp Shangri-La. The new name was Camp David. This has been a salute to veterans. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One Middle Tennessee.com. Locally and veteran. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Online at tireworld.us. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Time right now, 841. Our guest this morning, Phil Barnett, retired U.S. Navy, and also Hillary Miller, director of the MTSU Charlie and Hazel Daniels Veterans Center on the MTSU campus. And we're talking about the attack on Pearl Harbor that occurred 80 years ago, and Phil, you were talking a little bit off the air about how close some of those who are in the military were, uh, you know, today, in today's times, but also back then there were a lot of friendships that were lost because of that attack Mm -hmm. at Pearl Harbor. Well, I mean, there's probably nothing that compares to shipboard life. Uh, You're you're close. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, you're close all the time. And, uh, and limited amount of liberty and uh and yeah there were a lot of people there were there were a lot of people who were even in the same families that maybe were on the same ship the sullivan brothers were on the same ship and mom lost five brothers at one time five sons at one time uh but because of that attack that would not at that attack but i mean there were there were probably brothers who were on even different ships but they were still in Pearl Harbor, when when you you think of recreational boating is entirely different. When you start tying up ships that are that size, you tie a ship next to the pier. But the next guy that comes along may not have a pier side location. He may be tied to that ship, and the next one may be tied to that ship. So just to get off of the ship, you've got to go from one ship to another ship to another ship to the pier. And back then, there's a bridge now to Fort Island, but back then there was no bridge. So to go in and have an evening in, in Honolulu was a major uh, operation. You had to get on a Liberty boat. You had to be back by a certain time. 
I mean, it it was a time of of great friendships were built. I'm sure. And at the time during that attack on Pearl Harbor, it, it was totally unexpected. Uh, I, I don't think anybody could have forecasted what was going to happen that day. Well, they they picked a day when they knew everybody wouldn't be at work. I mean, in, typically in any Navy ship, uh, you rehearse, you rehearse, you rehearse, you 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 rehearse to fight so that when the moment comes you don't have to go to a book and figure out how to fight you train and train and train so that when there is a crisis you almost second nature respond to that so i mean if you're if you're at the pier or if you're at sea uh over and over and over again at most inconvenient times <laughs> it'll be general quarters general quarters general quarters and you will have to get to your battle station on that ship within a number of minutes and at the end of that number of minutes the watertight doors on the ship internal doors inside the ship are locked they're sealed and and those watertight doors are there for the sole purpose that if something does destroy and punch a hole in the ship that compartment might fill up with water but the ship is not going to sink and if you're on the wrong side of the door and you didn't get to your battle station, uh, the commanding officer of the ship has got to give permission to open that door. And that means you now are, are on somebody's list and will be chatted with when the drill is over. So, I mean, the preparation, the people would have been there, they would have been schooled, they would have known what to do. And this was just a, a totally different moment in time it was a sunday a good number of them were probably on liberty a good number of them were probably off the ship at church um i would guess not a lot of them had family right there but uh, but they were doing other things or planning other things they weren't thinking about going to general quarters and this is not a drill hey, i'm sure that because of the events that happened on that day it probably forever shaped the military and changed things that may not have changed before if this attack didn't happen oh i guarantee you that happened i mean even the most minute thing is is scrubbed after it occurs mm -hmm. for lessons learned so that we can go ahead and and improve the way we do business and again we're talking about the attack on pearl harbor and i'm going to Go ahead and play the entire, or not the entire speech, but at least nine minutes of the speech given by President Franklin Roosevelt some 80 years ago. Uh, so I guess we'll just close with that because we're almost, it'll run us up until the top of the hour, basically. But the speech that was given, it was heard the day after the attacks. And, you know, of course, back then, there weren't cell phones everywhere. People didn't have Twitter, Facebook, all of that. So it did take some time, I guess, for the knowledge of what occurred to spread across the country. It didn't just happen instantly. And I'm sure there's a lot of stories to be told in regards to that as well, because I would imagine at first when the news came out, some people didn't believe it. Because, Phil, who, who would ever think that America would be attacked like that way back then? I'm, I'm sure you've talked to folks who said... You know, I, I never imagined for that to happen. Well, not only people who were directly involved in it, but you're absolutely right. Back here in the mainland, uh, people were going, no, that can't be. You must have gotten that story wrong. It's wild. Let, let's go ahead and air this. This is a, a speech, again, given 80 years ago, the day after the attack on Pearl Harbor, by President Franklin D. Roosevelt. 
the capital of the United States, December 8, 1941. Today, the Congress of the United States convenes in a solemn joint session, a session that will hear the President of the United States deliver his message that will ask for a declaration of war with Japan. The House chamber, always looking small and overcrowded, has today attained a dignity that overcomes even the great girders that temporarily support the glass roof of the chamber. The galleries started filling early this morning and, of course, are now packed. To witness this historic occasion are most of the dignitaries and officials of the Capitol. At 12 o'clock, the Speaker of the House, Sam Rayburn, called the House to order after a brief prayer by the chaplain of the House, Dr. James Sherrill Montgomery, the House passed the resolution which provided for the joint session and then recessed until the call of the chair, which is expected shortly before 12.30. The Supreme Court at this time, I believe, is walking into the chamber and the cabinet is also coming in at this time. And so after they come in, the President of the United States will arrive and at that time we intend to turn you over to the Speaker's platform. We'll take you now to the Speaker's platform as the President is arriving. Senators and representatives, I have the distinguished honor of presenting the President of the United States. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. The United States was at peace with that nation and at the solicitation of Japan was still in conversation with its government and its emperor looking toward the maintenance of peace in the Pacific. Indeed, one hour after Japanese air squadrons had commenced bombing in the American island of Oahu. The Japanese ambassador to the United States and his colleague delivered to our Secretary of State a formal reply to a recent American message. And while this reply stated that it seemed useless to continue the existing diplomatic negotiations. It contained no threat or hint of war or of armed attack. It will be recorded that the distance of Hawaii from Japan makes it obvious that the attack was deliberately planned 
many days or even weeks ago. During the intervening time, the Japanese government has deliberately sought to deceive the United States by false statements and expressions of hope for continued peace. The attack yesterday on the Hawaiian Islands has caused severe damage to American naval and military forces. I regret to tell you that very many American lives have been lost. In addition, American ships have been reported torpedoed on the high seas between San Francisco and Honolulu. Yesterday, the Japanese government also launched an attack against Malaya. Last night, Japanese forces attacked Hong Kong. Last night, Japanese forces attacked Guam. Last night, Japanese forces attacked the Philippine Islands. Last night, the Japanese attacked Wake Island. And this morning, the Japanese attacked Midway Island. Japan has therefore undertaken a surprise offensive extending throughout the Pacific area. The facts of yesterday and today speak for themselves. The people of the United States have already formed their opinions and well understand the implications to the very life and safety of our nation. As Commander-in-Chief of the Army and Navy, I have directed that all measures be taken for our defense. But always will our whole nation remember the character of the onslaught against us. No matter how long it may take us to overcome this premeditated invasion, the American people in their righteous might will win through to absolute victory.
hostilities exist. There is no blinking at the fact that our people, our territory, and our interests are in grave danger. With confidence in our armed forces, with the unbonding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph, so help us God. I ask that the Congress declare that since the unprovoked and dastardly attack by Japan on Sunday, December 7, 1941, a state of war has existed between the United States and the Japanese Empire. And again, that was a speech delivered some 80 years ago. You know, it's, it's speeches like that that are remembered years and years and years in history uh, because of how important those types of speeches are and because of what occurred in order for that speech to actually happen. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't recall a speech quite like that in my lifetime other than President Bush talking about 9-11, but even that speech wasn't as, I guess, hard-hitting as what President Roosevelt said 80 years ago. Time right now is 8.58. You're listening to WGNS. Today, of course, December 7th, and this is the day that the attack occurred on Pearl Harbor in Hawaii some 80 years ago. And uh, I I guess, is is the... uh, the memorial there at Pearl Harbor, is that something that everyone should experience in their lifetime if they have the opportunity to do so? Absolutely. If you uh, if you get to Hawaii, that's a must-see. That and Punchbowl National Cemetery. So those are things that, you know, you, you hear about in school, you hear about once a year whenever it comes to the that time of year, I guess December 7th each year, but, but it's something that I guess most Americans have not seen in person. I would like to invite people to come by the Veterans Memorial at MTSU. That is open to the public. It's something that I don't know of another state school that has something like that um, to all veterans, um, all who fell in service, not just for one um, battle or, or for a war. And that's here here in Murfreesboro. Where is that memorial on the campus? It's right um, off of Middle Tennessee Boulevard. Um, it's in line with the president's house, you know, just right on. Uh, it's a little further down. It's in front of Tom Jackson Hall. Again, you're listening to WGNS, and we are out of time, but we're going to post this entire show on our website so that you can go back and listen to it in podcast form. It'll be posted at WGNSRadio.com. 
And once more, our guests today have been Phil Barnett, retired Navy, and also Hillary Miller, director of the MTSU Charlie and Hazel Daniels Veterans Center on the MTSU campus. Thank you both for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Right now it's 9 o'clock. You're tuned to WGNS Murfreesboro. Stay with us. We do have more news and more information coming up. <laughs> 